0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want us to read our text that we've been using for this section. It's over in Proverbs, Proverbs 29. In verse number eighteen, it says, "Where there is no revelation," the margin of my Bible says, "Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law." We pointed out that a number of different translations of this passage, where it says "cast off restraint," different translations say they uh, without a a prophetic vision. and we, we're applying this to the vision of a local church because it's so true. Uh, where there is no vision, people become unbridled or they run wild or they break loose or, or, or cast off restraint. A lot of different translations give that idea. And to me, it presents the image of, of a horse that is part of a team of horses and it's been harnessed together. And that team of horses is is moving Uh, A cargo of some kind, a wagon or a cart or something, carrying a load. They're working together to take that cart to a destination. But then one of the horses breaks loose or becomes unharnessed or unbridled uh, from that team of horses and begins to run wild. And you can you can picture that horse you know in the natural, uh, you know he feels this momentary uh, exhilaration and this sense of freedom because he's no longer restrained by that harness and uh, and he just begins to run wild, he runs up in the mountains you know and and, and for a horse, he's just having a great time, you know. He's running around, he can play, he can goof off, you know, he can just do whatever he wants to do and he runs around, he's kicking dirt up in the air, you know, and making funny noises and just, just having a great time. And so you think, boy, that's a happy horse. But you know, even a brute beast like a horse was created by God for a greater purpose than just to serve itself. And I would say particularly horses beast of burdens like that burden. I believe God created these animals to serve mankind, and uh, uh, and so a horse, you know, like I said, was created with a greater purpose than just to please himself. Well, when you apply that to the local church, each one of us, as born again Christians, we are when we are saved, when we are born again, we are joined to Christ. We're also joined to one another in the body of Christ. And we're joined to a local church. God directs every Christian to to seek out and to find a local church, and the Spirit will guide that Christian and direct him to the right church—a church that is that will be good for him, that will minister to him and his uh, his family, and uh, and provide spiritual care and nourishment and so forth. There are a lot of churches that God leads people into, but. Every Christian, if, if, they will, if they will be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, every single born-again Christian will be directed by the Spirit of God to a local church because it's God's plan and it's God's will that we as Christians do more than just serve ourselves spiritually. And, uh, you know, I related how uh, uh, these truths kind of slowly dawned on me uh, as a young man, when I was, you know, I was backslidden, when I was 20 years old, I got back into, into fellowship with the Lord and started attending church again. And I became very hungry for the things of God. Oh, I, just, I read books constantly, read my Bible, just prayed. Uh, I immediately started going to a, a local church, church that I had actually gone to when I was younger. And uh, my family, our culture, our history, our, our family history was always uh, included involvement in the local church. My family, my parents, my grandparents were always real active in the church. I was raised up, you know, in a family where we were at church every time, uh, you know, they had church, any kind of service that was going on, we were there. Whatever activities outside of church that were related to church, you know, small groups or fellowships or whatever it was, my family was always one of those leading families. We were always there. So I grew up in that and so it was natural for me. Uh, to, to start going to church. I just knew that's what you do. So I started attending, attending church and, and there was a revival going on in our local church. When I, when I went there, it was already going on, a revival among young people. And uh, uh, so there were a lot of, uh, of young people my age uh, really on fire for God. And, and uh, so that was a real encouragement to me and a help to me. And like I said, us uh, uh, young people in the church, uh, young men and women in the church, we just had such a hunger and such a fire for God. And, uh, you know, we just, we were at church all the time, uh, just involved in everything. And then when our church, when we weren't having services, this was during the days of the of the charismatic renewal. And when we weren't having services in our church, we were going somewhere else. You know, we'd go out a couple of times a week to some other uh, meeting that was going on around town. Maybe the Episcopal church was having a charismatic gathering, you know, on Tuesday nights. We'd go to that or there was something going on on Saturday night somewhere. We'd go, you know, we would go all over town, you know, and visit these different congregations uh, and, and groups, you know, that were meeting, mostly church-affiliated meetings, and we would go to those meetings and and... We also, as young people in the church, we, we, just, we just wanted more. We, just, we weren't satisfied with going to church three times a week. And so we, a number of us got together and we started holding uh, Bible studies on our own. And we were feeding on the word of God, and just, you know, hungry for God. And, and uh, even though we were doing that, we were always, uh, we always attended our regular church, our local church services. We're always faithful. I had, because I had been raised like I had been, you know, we were always involved. So I, 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 not only attended church, I got involved in church. It was just natural for me to do it. Started taking, you know, positions and ushering and, and teaching children and just doing anything that I could do. And, uh, and so we were very involved and that was always first, you know, our local church, but then we went to what I called extracurricular church services, you know, around. And, uh, and during all this time, and then, you know, that, that went on for a few years and I sensed the call of God on my life to, to, uh, to step out and prepare myself further for ministry. So I went away to Bible school, went out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, attended Rhema Bible Training Center uh, in preparation for full-time ministry. I graduated from Rhema. I came back uh, to Jacksonville, which was where my home was, and we then quickly came over to the Fort White area and started this church and then moved to High Springs. But uh, during all this time... I I didn't really realize my my short sightedness spiritually. I just some things I just didn't see, and it wasn't until more revelation came concerning the local church that I even realized how how uh, uh, how far I was missing or how how much I hadn't seen. I'd see now and then, I, and I realized at the time when this revelation came, I realized that my my understanding of the local church and my participation in the local church was very limited. Even though I believed in the local church, I was in the local church, I supported the local church with my tithes, with my offerings, with my attendance, with my involvement. You, you know, you look at me, you couldn't say, well, you know, Brother Anderson, you know, he, he's just not really, you know, uh, hooked up with the local church. Oh, I was. And even while I was pastoring when I first started the church. But I still saw... The the church, uh, more or less, uh, the universal. We know that the that the universal church is made up of all believers all over the world and in on the earth and in heaven. Some of the churches in heaven, and uh, you know, the church in heaven is different than the saints of the Old Testament in heaven. There's a distinction. They're not part of the church. The church are those who have been born again uh, and have been baptized into Christ. And so part of the church is on the earth, part of the church is in heaven. and um, uh, But my my understanding of the local church, I knew the local church was important. I knew the Bible taught church involvement. I knew it was right. I knew it was required, even though it wasn't, I wasn't reluctant to be a part. But I, I realized that God ordained that every Christian be involved in the local church. I saw that. But I saw the The work of the universal church, as the big picture, that that's what God was really God was was more in uh, 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 concerned with the vision of, of the overall body of Christ, what the body of Christ was doing in the world, and I saw I, if I could if I could say it like this, if you if you think of a painting and canvas. The local church was the canvas, but the universal church was the painting. You know, pro- poetry versus prose. You know, it was it, the, it, God was. I saw the universal church as grand and and glorious and wonderful and God indwelled, and it was all about the 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 uh, uh, the splendidness of the of the local of the of the universal church unconsciously, the local church was more of a, of a necessary expediency that, you know, you have to be involved somewhere. But I saw God far more focused on the universal church than he was on the local church. When I began to, and I won't go into all the scriptures because I've gone into, into, into them before, but when I began to see that God actually pays more attention to the local church than he does the universal church... Uh, In that, by a four-to-one ratio, a four-to-one ratio, there are four times as many references to the local church in the New Testament than there are to the universal church. To every one reference to the universal church, there are four references in the New Testament to the local church. And when I saw that, that came as a real surprise to me. And then I began to realize that, you know, that by some of the epistles of Paul, that the Spirit of God uh, speaking through the Apostle Paul would make reference to certain churches, and he would call those churches by name. And it said, "I was a pastor at the time, and I'd never seen that." And I suddenly realized, "Wait a minute! That means that means God." is aware of my church. Now, listen, I knew that God was aware of my church. Sort of like, you know, God knows all things. God knows how much ink is remaining in this pen. Because he's omniscient. He knows everything. I don't think God's particularly focused on how much ink is in this pen. I don't know if God can focus on one thing and not be, I don't know God, but I'm not God, you know, but I don't know everything about him. But I don't think he's particularly uh, interested in how much ink is in this pen, though he knows. And it was sort of that way with the local church. I knew he was aware of my church that I pastored, and, and, I, and I knew he was interested to some degree, but I never saw my church as a focus, that God, was, God actually had a purpose for my church. I saw the purpose of the local church to have two primary uh, values saw that the, the, the local church had two primary values. One was helping the universal church fulfill its mission, which was to save the world. And the second purpose of the local church was to help me grow. i mean, talking about not as a pastor, but as just as a Christian. That's why, and I told people all oh, that's why you need to come to church, so you'll grow. And God ordains you come to church, so you'll grow. Well, that's true. But I saw the local church... Simply for those two standing and and being here just to serve those two purposes. The great purpose of the universal church and then my own spiritual edification. I never saw that the local church itself and and a specific individual local church had a purpose of its own. But it does. God has a purpose for every local church. There's a calling on every local church i 'm talking about churches that that are ordained of God now sometimes people start churches and, and, and uh, you know we have to leave it with God, but sometimes you really question, is God in that because some of the motivations behind starting churches are terrible sometimes you know but uh, but a church that God has ordained and raised up he has a purpose for that church, and that came as a as a real revelation to me, and you know of course, then I begin to. Uh, wonder, well, you know, what does God think of my church? Are we fulfilling our purpose? I, I, I realized as I studied this that God raises up churches and he gives every local church an assignment or assignments. And he joins believers to those churches. Yes, for for their spiritual edification, God joins you to this church so that you would be ministered to and receive spiritual nourishment and edification. But also, so that you could help the church fulfill its vision, Amen. our lives need to count for more than just our own spiritual edification yeah. that, that god 's interested and, and as far as the universal churches church goes, do you realize the universal church you know the the, the Universal fellowship of all believers worldwide. You know the universal church has never conducted a gospel crusade. We think about oh, the mission of the, the universal church, win the world. The universal church has never won anybody. All of, the, all of the advancements that have been made for the cause of Christ start at the grassroots level in the local church. Now, you as an individual, you can go out and win somebody to the Lord. And so that does happen. But the real advancement for the cause of Christ comes through the local church because the universal church never meets. I drive down, just driving to the church tonight, driving up and down the highway, you know, there's dark, you know, cars passing me. I was passing people in the church. They were part of the church. I didn't know who they were. They didn't know who I was. We were brothers and sisters passing each other in traffic. Didn't even know it. So the universal church never meets. Local churches meet. Evangelistic outreaches. They all have their, there's some, there's some few exceptions, but they primarily have their base and support in the local church. When I was in Africa, Pastor Greg and I went to Africa in September, end of September, first of October, uh, we were helping Christopher Allen in a, in a gospel crusade there in Africa and then during at nighttime and in the daytime I taught a pastor's conference. Well, He's able to do that because our church and other church funds that. In fact, our church underwrote the whole pastors' conference. It cost five grand, five grand, five thousand dollars to hold that week long pastors' conference. And Pastor, uh, I mean uh, Christopher Allen asked me. He said, "Pastor, he said we're we're running short on funds. Can your church underwrite that?" I said, "Sure." So I carried five thousand dollars in cash with me because they want cash over their checks and you know their instant in that. Then they want they want crisp. New one hundred dollar bills, U.S. dollars. It's a gold standard all over the world, and they didn't want the old ones, you know. With the with, they wanted the the new ones with the you know the picture, you know, just offset, you know, the new bills. And uh, and so I took five thousand dollars, and this church underwrote the pastors' conference there. Christopher is in in India right now. After he got home, uh, he. Toward the end of the year, I think he was already working on this in, in October, but just shortly before that, maybe September, uh, coming into October maybe, he was suddenly uh, finalizing plans for his last two crusades in India that he's doing right now. He was short on funds. So he called me. And he said, Brother, he said, you know, we needed you know X amount of dollars. I think it was, huh? Well, but I don't remember how much he needed. I forgot what he, what he, what he said he needed. He said, and uh, he said, I, I, I just have a few people like you that I can call. And, uh, and so I think it was, seems like it was $40,000. Well, we sent him $8,000, you know, because there are other churches, calling other pastors, you know, and only take five others, you know, four others. And so we sent him $8,000. So he's doing crusades in India right now. You've been following him on Facebook. Hundreds and hundreds of people coming to Christ every night. Well, how is how are people like that able to the local church. Local church is what gets it done. So the local church is how the world is won. And and it's won through the efforts locally, the community is affected by the work of the local church. So the local church is so important and your part in the local church is important. Not just what you can receive from the local church, but what you bring to the local church and uh, and that came you know as, as, a, as a real surprise to me that God actually had a plan for my life uh, not just to receive from the church but to be a, a, a contributor to the church, you know outside of the fact that i 'm obviously a pastor, but even as a layperson, looking back, I saw that my involvement in the local church helped my local church fulfill uh, the call. And so we've been talking about that and just kind of uh, summarizing. And so I'm going to say some, a couple of things because I've jumped around a lot on my notes and so I've skipped some things. And, and uh, so I made this point, I'm just kind of recapping. True lasting happiness and fulfillment as a Christian can only take place as we learn to serve with other Christians inside the structure of a local church. There is serving God outside the church, but that will not bring the fulfillment. There is, there's, there's nothing that will take the place of learning to serve with other Christians inside the structure of a local church. Uh, when you were born again, you were joined equally to Christ and to his body. Uh, we are not just members of Christ, we're members of one another. And so we are a body of believers not just a gathering of believers. The word church means a called assembly, an assembly that's been called by God. We were called together to assemble tonight as a local church. Now, you might not have been aware of the calling. And, you know, it's a Wednesday, you get busy, you know, a lot of things going on. It's just what you do on Wednesday. You know, you just got that planned as part of your schedule. You arrange your day that way and you come home, you might not think anything about it. But if you are at all, just take a little bit of time to just get sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll be aware of a, of an, a drawing on the inside of you, just an urge. You know? and particularly if you've been out of church, something's happened, you know, and you've had to be out of church for a few weeks, boy, you begin to really be aware of that. So, oh man, I can't wait to get back to church. And, and people in the world don't understand that. You know, people in the world, I remember just as a, as a kid in, in school, junior high and high school, you know, because my family went to church all the time. People would ask me, if you, can you do this or that? I said, no, I'm going to church. And they'd say, what? You go to church on Wednesdays, Sunday nights, you know? Why do you go to church? Well, you know, I just went back then because I had to. But, you know, people will ask you that today. Why do you go to church so much? And, you'll, and sometimes we're at kind of a loss, you know, to explain why we go to church all the time. And we'll say, well, you know, I enjoy it. they'll kind of scratch their head. Because they go and they don't enjoy it. You know. I've I've had people say, well, it's fun to go to church. That really gets an odd look. They they don't get it. The real reason you enjoy going to church is there's something on the inside pulling you. That's the ecclesia. That is the assembly. The called assembly. So we are not just a gathering, we are a body that's been called together. Uh, So we've talked about that. It's, It's impossible to fully experience Christ in isolation from other believers who have likewise been called together in the local church. Now you can fellowship with believers outside the church and there's nothing wrong with that. Remember, I said that when I was in the local church, we would we would uh, some of us younger people we would have Bible studies in in, uh, in p- different people's homes. There's one brother; named Danny, and and he opened his home, and we would have Bible studies in his house. And outside of the regular church service, it wasn't the local church though. It was just a Bible study. There was nothing wrong with that as long as you understand, and we did, that it was not a substitute for the local church. It was just an opportunity to get together and spend some more time in the Word, fellowship, prayer, and worshiping the Lord. I mean, we would, we'd sing and praise God, study our Bible and give our testimonies, you know, and, and it was rich. We enjoyed that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I encourage all of that as long as you understand that it's not the local church. Uh, and so even though you do that, It's still outside the church. If you're not fellowshipping with believers inside a called together local church, it's it's impossible to fully experience Christ. Uh, Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And look at verse number... Start in verse number 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. You ask, now what in the world is he talking about? There was a false doctrine and a false cult that was operating in uh, 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 Greek culture at that time known as the Gnostics. And this is what this is addressing. They worshipped angels and did all kinds of things. And a lot of people in the church had been seduced by this Gnosticism and Gnostic teaching. And that's what he's countering here. He says, don't don't get involved in that. Being puffed up by his fleshly mind. Verse 19 is what I wanted you to see. And not holding fast to the head, that would be Christ, from whom all the body, notice, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. When we come when we become part of a local body, God joins us together in that body and as the, as the physical body has joints and ligaments and, and different, you know, uh, components and systems in the body that are integrated together. Well, in the local church, that's, that's how nourishment and life is ministered to us. It doesn't just come from the pulpit. It comes from one another. And And when people separate themselves from that, they begin to 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 grow lopsided in their Christian walk, and they can become very extreme and get off into tangents. and so uh, it says here that the the all the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, and it increases then with the increase that is from God. Uh, just meeting with people you want to is not a legitimate alternative to church. A lot of people think that, well, you know, I'm not going to the local church anymore. And, and usually that happens because they've gotten offended over something. And so they've decided, you know, they don't need to go to church. They don't need to go to the local church. And uh, and so they say, well, I'll just get together with this little group. Uh, that That's not an alternative to church. When we held those Bible studies, fortunately, we had enough understanding to know that that wasn't a a substitute you know uh, these kinds of fellowships if if you've ever known anything about them these little groups that get started you know they're usually this is a generalization but they're usually uh, a group of people who are disenchanted with church they've gotten offended they're kind of what I call free roaming believers, you know. They're kinda of like they're all those who have broken loose from a harness, you know, of a local church and they're just doing their own thing and they get together and because they many times share a certain grievance, you know, with with the local church. Have you ever noticed those those kinds of fellowships, if you want to call them that, they don't last very long. They usually last a few weeks, a few months, sometimes even a few years. But they eventually just dissolve and, and go by the wayside. Remember we talked in previous uh, Wednesday nights about the spiritual legacy, the generational blessing that is passed down you know in a congregation where, where and I illustrated it with my you know, with my upbringing and my family. my grandmother, unsaved you know at, at nineteen years of age uh, was saved and Filled with the Holy Spirit. She raised my father and my aunts and uncles. You know, they, uh, this was, and she was born again as filled with the Spirit in 1917, uh, just in the early days of the Pentecostal outpouring. They, she was instrumental in starting a local church. She was actually the first uh, treasurer of, of that church, of, you know, one of the charter members that I grew up in. She raised her children. And my grandparents on my, on my mother's side, I don't know what time they started attending, but early on in the 20s and 30s, they started attending. They raised their children, which is my mother, you know. My mother and dad met after World War II, and, and they started having their family. You know, there was, there was four of us, had two sisters and one brother. So the four of us, we were raised in church. Uh, I, my brother and one of my sisters is in heaven I've got another sister, and she and I are the only siblings left. Both of us have our families raised up in church. We're all serving God, living for God. Uh, our children, our grandchildren. So, so, so my grandmother's children, great-grandchildren, I guess. Well, that, that, that happens because of the local church. That doesn't happen outside the local church. It's not even possible. It cannot happen. There's there's no logistics for it. it just can't happen, and uh, and so God puts us together to create this this legacy and and to pass on the blessing. Remember, Paul talked about Timothy. He said, "I call to remembrance the faith that was first of all in your grandmother, and then in your in your mother, Lois and." Eunice, I don't remember which one was the grandmother which one was the mother. One was Lois and one was Eunice. He said the faith that first of all resided in your grandmother and then it was in your mother and now it's in you. Well, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, so, so we talked about that. The harness of a heavenly, it's the vision that harnesses us together. We're joined together in Christ, but we're joined together around a vision. And it doesn't confine us, it liberates us. See, a lot of people see the local church as confining, as, as uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they don't have liberty. And I've had people complain about our church. Well, I just, you know, just, it's just too confining, that church. I just, there's no freedom. Well, there's, there's absolute freedom. Amen. Freedom to pursue what God called you to be. Uh, really, people who cast off the, the, the harness of a, of a local vision They boast of their freedom that really living a small and confined life because they're living for themselves. And, And they may, they may, uh, you know, convince themselves otherwise by ministering to people, and and God honors that. God, anytime you preach the word, share your testimony, witness to people, God will honor that because God always honors his word. But uh, you're really living, people like that are living for themselves. There's a a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that I always laugh when when I read the older King James. Can you find that for me real quick, Angela? 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 11. The older King's King James, the way this was written, I'd read that. This is one of those passages sort of like reading the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the begots, you know, in the old times you just kind of read over and shake your head and go on, you know. 2 Corinthians 6:11 says, O you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children: Be ye also enlarged. And I'd read that and, and just had no idea what that means. It makes it no makes no sense at all. the uh, the, King, the New King James does a better job, but there's a there's a uh, a paraphrase from the Message Bible that I think really. Uh, brings this home in the local church really good. This is the Message Bible's rendering of this, and this is not an actual translation. It's more of a paraphrase. It says, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. When people, when people forsake the assembling of the local church, they confine themselves to a small life spiritually with a very limited outcome, a very limited uh, uh, outreach. Like I said last week, People who aren't a part of the local church, I don't care what their ministry is one-on-one outside the local church, they will, be, they will bring very little fruit when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Well, you're here in 6. Go back to chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse number 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ... That each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. One night, Lizzie came to me. Uh, I guess I had read the scripture one night, and she came to me after church. She said, "Pastor, have you ever looked at that verse when it says that we that each one may receive the things done in the body? That's is that's talking about the local body, the local church." And I thought, Wow, I never. Never heard that before, never seen that. I went back and looked at the context. You know, to understand to interpret the Bible, there's a number of contexts you look at. One of them is the textual context. In in the the actual context of the verses that this is in, if you read before and after, he's obviously talking about the physical body. He's talking about the resurrection of the physical body and so forth. So this is this verse. Primarily isn't talking about the local body of believers, it's fundamentally and primarily talking about the physical body. We're going to, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, it says that we will receive the things done in the body, in other words, in this life, according to what we have done, whether good or bad. But if you go over to, hold your place there, if you go over to Romans chapter 14. There's another context. When you're interpreting the Bible, you want to interpret the Bible in the light of various contexts. The actual textual context, you want to interpret the Bible in the light of covenant context. You know, there are some things that are different in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you read Old Testament scriptures without the context of the New Testament, you can misunderstand them. So there's a variety of different contexts. One context is subject context where you go through the Bible and you find all the different places where that subject is dealt with, and then you put all of those together. Well, the subject being the judgment seat of Christ. In Romans 14, verse number 10, it says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So here's another scripture about the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Well, if you put those verses of Scripture together, then it is possible to, uh, to interpret, even though the primary, the primary uh, interpretation of second Corinthians 5:10 when it says that we, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we receive the things done in this body, it's talking about your body, your life as an individual. But in light of Romans 14 here concerning the judgment seat of Christ, this is all about how we we relate to one another and treat one another in the body, isn't that right? So uh, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we will receive judgment according to what we've done in the body, in the local body. Not just, it's, I know primarily it's talking about your individual life, but in, in the context of, of Romans 14, it, it could also then be, you could refer to uh, the local church. You know, when we do not bring our supply, when we don't fulfill our responsibility in the local church, that can result in a stumbling block to our brother. That can result in, 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 a, in a brother not fulfilling the plan of God for his life or a sister. Isn't that right? I talked about the the uh, generational blessing that's passed down. You know, there are a lot of people, a lot of people who got out of church, got saved, they're involved in a good church, you know, a good church with a solid vision but then they got out of they just got out of the will of God because of offense or misunderstanding or whatever you know just pettiness and stopped going but you know what they 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 affected generations to come they affected generations to come because there are there are there there are some of their very descendants who will miss heaven because they wouldn't deal with offense They stopped going to church. Their children got out of church if if they had already started going to church. Their children stopped going to church. That was the end of their family's participation. There were untold numbers of people who should have been born again, should have known God, who never will. They'll they'll miss heaven because so-and-so got offended. It's important. It's a real... real, uh, Uh, Thought-provoking thing, isn't it? Many people excuse themselves from active participation in the local church. Like I said, they claim outside ministry to be equal or more important. uh, But they don't replace the obligation to support your local church. Ministry outside the church doesn't really strengthen other believers. It doesn't strengthen the local church or further a heavenly vision. Go to Romans chapter 12. We're here in 14. 14. Look at Romans chapter 12. For I say through the grace given... This is verse number 3, Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, referring to the physical body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many... Are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts, does everybody have a gift? Absolutely. There's no such thing as a member of the body of Christ not having gifts in them given by God. I'm talking about, I'm talking about given by the grace of God, not necessarily natural. God will use natural abilities. But there is, there, is a, there is a gifting from God. Numerous giftings that come to everybody. It's just part of being saved. Well, he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace uh, that is given to us. Let us use them. Let us use them. Well, where are you going to use them? Where were they, why were these gifts given to us? See, if you're not going to church. Notice prophecy. If, if, if prophecy, talking about different gifts, different gifts. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to faith. Where are you going to prophesy? Now, you might, we know that prophecy is inspired utterance and in, in, in witnessing to people. You might prophesy. You know, the Lord will give you words to, to, you know, supernaturally to speak to people. That's the spirit of prophecy. But primarily, prophecy is for the church. Isn't that right? 1 Corinthians 14, make love your aim, then set your heart on spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He goes on to say that tongues are for those who don't believe. Prophecy is for believers. Well, where are you going to exercise this gift? God gave you the gift. Where are you going to exercise it? In the local church. Or ministry, serving. That word ministry is, is... a word that's commonly uh, translated ministry, but it's also commonly commonly translated serving or serving let us use it in our serving well where are you going to serve? Very few people serve outside the local church. I said very few people serve outside the local church now i've got a I've got a, a good friend he and I were in the same local church during those times of revival, and uh, he's got the call of God on his life, but he's never really. He went to Bible school, went to Rhema, graduated, but he's never really stepped in to what God has for him because he won't be faithful to the local church. Remember me telling years, if you'll remember this illustration, when when uh, the lady would get up and she'd sing the old unbelieving song, you know, It's Me Again, Lord. Remember that story? Ralph would sit on the drums, and we were reading all of Brother Hagen's books, and Ralph would sit on the drums, you know, on the stool there playing the drums, and when she, during church, you know, for music, and when she would sing those old unbelieving songs, he would just put his drumsticks down, just this old mad look, he'd just go, he'd make all kind of faces, up front, he's sitting up front, he'd cross his arms, just refuse to play drums to an unbelieving song, and he would make faces, he'd go, Phew. Just, it was hilarious. He, he, he loved God, and, and he's, a, he's a gifted teacher. He can minister the word of God. He's never been faithful after that. He, he completely got unfaithful to the local church, became unfaithful. He goes down right now. I hope he doesn't get this date, but he goes down right now on Sundays. He goes to the local mission, you know, downtown, where they minister to the you know, homeless people, and he helps serve soup. On Sunday mornings. And so you know. He could say well I serve. You know I serve people. And I'm sure he witnesses to people. But his family. Is not a part. Of the local church. His children aren't. Getting what he got. We're supposed to serve. In the local church. All of these gifts. Where are you going to use them? (laughs) Where are you going to use them. Other than the local church. Church. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4. Verse number 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as of the ability... Which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Well, who do you think he's talking to? Who's the one another? Fred and Susie at work? No, one another in the church. If this this epistle was written to the church, if I wrote a if I wrote a letter to somebody, if I wrote a letter to the Republican uh party of Alachua and I had some suggestions to make and I said just discuss this with one another well who do you think I'd be talking about? one another in the Republican party of Alachua they wouldn't, they wouldn't be discussing it with the Democrats <laughs> right? well when he said when he said as each one has received a gift minister it to one another he's talking about in the church that's why God gave us gifts well, amen. It's exciting, I know. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 11. He himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Ephesians 4.11, 4.12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful bodies, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up, may grow up, may grow up in all things into Him who is the Head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part has a share. Every part has a responsibility. Everyone in the local church has something to bring to the local church. Ask yourself are you doing what you should be doing in the local church? Are you contributing what you should be contributing? Amen. It's important. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, it's time. Praise the Lord. I've got two minutes, but I'm starting another section, so we'll not start that tonight. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Local church is important. The local church... The vision of the local church is a fundamental part of your calling as a Christian. It's a fundamental, fundamental. It's fundamental to what God has called you to do as a Christian. So be involved. Don't just come to church. Be involved in church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we love you and appreciate you and praise the Lord. So many of you are so involved. And I tell you what, we have, we have a great ministry of helps here. We really do. We have a valuable, valuable ministry of helps. Don't ever think that it's just busy work. Amen. Everything that's accomplished for God in this church is accomplished by everybody who works in the church. So, well, you know, all I do is serve iced tea at the fellowship. Everybody who works in the church is responsible for all of the fruit of the church. Everything God does, because it takes all of these. So you think, well, that's not even spiritual. Most of the time, pastoring's not spiritual. It's really not, as far as you know. As far as you know, some uh, super anointing or anything. A lot of it is just you're just showing up. You know the old saying, the old saying, showing up's half the job. I tell young pastors, I tell you what, it's the, it's it's one of the biggest frustrations for pastors. Or the biggest temptation is to quit, particularly in the early years, because they have these visions, you know, of all they're going to do. God's put this big vision. What what pastors don't see, and I didn't see, is that passion, that vision is not coming to pass anytime soon. Just little bits and pieces. I thought when, when we first started this church, I thought the stuff that we've accomplished in, you know, in 36 years, I thought you know those the influence we've had and the lives we've affected, I thought we'll do that in three or four years. And pastors over a period, particularly in young in ministry, they get frustrated after a few years because they're, they're, they're accomplishing some things, but the big vision, it just seems like it's not fully... Come. Well, it's not going to come to pass until Jesus comes back. And, and so I tell pastors, if half the job is showing up, the other half is staying put. If you just show up and stay put, you'll accomplish the will of God. Amen.